Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Deb, and welcome to another episode of PTSD and Beyond. Welcome to the PTSD and Beyond podcast, where we give you insights into post-traumatic stress, trauma recovery, healing, and beyond. I'm Dr. Deb Lind, and in each episode, I have a conversation with a guest who will stimulate your mind, touch your heart, and connect with your spirit, and also give you a greater understanding of yourself and others on this healing and recovery journey walked by so many of us before, wounded healers with lived experience and heroes. Hopefully, we'll also provide a glimpse into possibilities and purpose, hope, and inspiration. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the podcast. One last thing, guys, before we dive into today's episode, if you'd like an ad-free experience and like early access to new episodes and special events, I want to let you know you can join us at patreon.com. That is patreon.com forward slash PTSD and beyond. All right, let's do it. This episode of PTSD and beyond is proudly sponsored by PTSD Unplugged, How to Leave the War Behind Us, a practical guidebook for combat survivors and their families that will help us all leave the war behind, written by a 35-plus-year expert in psychological trauma and injury recovery, Dr. Pamela Hall. Find out more about how you can get this guidebook at barnesandnoble.com forward slash PTSD Unplugged. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Deb here with PTSD and Beyond. You guys, I want to let you know this is like a major cool day today. And whoever's going to get this podcast early, if you're not subscribing right now, this is the episode that's going to say, Holy buckets, you better be subscribing because today's guest is a clinical professor of psychiatry at the UCLA School of Medicine and also the founding co director of the Mindful Awareness Research Center at UCLA. This person has published extensively for the professional audience. And I know when we announce his name, you're going to go like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. Really? All right. So I'm going to take note. And another thing I want to mention is that our guest today is also the executive director of the Mindsight Institute, an educational organization which offers online learning and in-person seminars that focus on how the development of Mindsight in individuals Families and communities can be enhanced by examining the interface of human relationships and basic biological processes. Our guest today has got a book that's coming out on October 5th called Becoming Aware. Guys, let's give a heartfelt welcome to Dr. Dan Siegel. Dr. Siegel, welcome to PTSD and Beyond. Dr. Lynn, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, we're super excited to talk to you about your new book. And the one thing that I would say is within our community, that's a huge question that people ask a lot about two things is about mindfulness and then awareness. So the book, the title becoming aware that already captures the uh, curiosity of, well, what is becoming aware and, and what is awareness? So can you talk with us a bit about what is becoming aware and awareness? Well, Becoming Aware, the name of this next book, is about how you as an individual can work very deeply 
and broadly with how you experience consciousness, how you're aware or know about what's going on inside you and how you become aware or know about what's going on in the world around you. So awareness is this fantastic way where we actually can develop choice in life. You know, consciousness allows choice and change. So for example, if you experienced trauma in your life, sometimes there are automatic ways in which your body reacts to things with a threat response of either fighting, fleeing, freezing up, or even fainting when you feel helpless. And when you bring a broader awareness to even that reactivity, you can shift from reactive states to a receptive state, which means you have this spaciousness of mind that even if your body is carrying out the automatic reaction, you've now added a kind of buffer. So in awareness, you can say, you know something, I don't need to have this reaction. I honor it and I choose a different path. I honor it and I choose a different path. And I think that the awareness component that you're talking about is a deeper level of awareness through actually doing some exercises, which in the book, Becoming Aware, there are many practical exercises. The other thing that I like about the book is a person doesn't have to go and get a, say, another you know composition notebook because there's plenty of space for people to take the book and to do the exercise to write themselves notes, to answer some of these questions that are in there. And it makes it really practical. And the size of it also is something that's manageable that folks can you know, take with them in a backpack and a purse, keep it with them wherever they go and really use it to deepen their awareness in everyday life. Exactly. You know, there's a visual image that we build on in the book, which basically says, <clears throat> Imagine your mind like a wheel where the wheel has a center hub and the wheel has an outer rim. And when you see the mind in this metaphoric way, you say, well, my awareness is in the hub, but what I'm aware of, like those reactive states of fighting, fleeing, freezing, or fainting become points on the rim. So instead of being taken over by the point on the rim, you now have the choices, this pause between impulse and action is the way you think about it, that is represented in the hub. So becoming aware lets you harness the hub to develop it, to become um, familiar with it. So this spacious awareness becomes a sanctuary. Even if you've experienced recent overwhelming events or challenging things in the past traumas that you may have gone through, when you've developed this accessing of the hub through these practices, you strengthen a number of things. You strengthen your ability to pay attention and not get lost in what you're paying attention to. You strengthen your ability to open awareness. So instead of being pulled onto that rim, you now have the hub available to you and you develop a way to be kind kind internally, which a lot of us who've experienced trauma have a lot of harshness, a lot of harsh voices, which become rim points, yep. but there's a kindness that you develop too. So 
kind intention, open awareness, and a stronger focused attention are basically what you learn in this, we call it a wheel of awareness, this wheel of awareness practice that you learn in becoming aware. What I like about the visual too of the wheel of awareness is when you look at the hub, immediately there's a sense of stability. And even the word hub, right? So when you think about the word rim, everybody's on edge, I'm on edge, I'm on the edge of the rim. And when you think about a hub, it's a central, it's a central point. It's a place of centering, being centered, feeling centered, knowing that I'm centered. And there's a level of stability. And in our audience, one of the things that we find is that people are looking for that safety and that stability. And so when I was, again, when I was reading the book and reflecting back on the wheel, those were thoughts that I had in my mind of how valuable it is to our audience, especially whether, you know, people that are listening and uh, guys, I want to let everybody know that in the bio summary, we're having the active hyperlink to Dr. Siegel's book and, um, you know, go ahead and, and order that book, purchase it, make sure you put a note in there that, Hey, I listened to your episode on PTSD and beyond. And we're really thrilled to be able to, you know, help get that word out because it is such a valuable resource. One of the things that you touched on too, is about these memories, right? So when we think about traumatic memories and one group comes in mind in particular, because most people, when they think of PTSD, they think of vets in the military. And so as our brains are continuing to develop, you know, and we, we know through research that the brain continues to develop way into the twenties, most combat vets are between the ages of 18 and 22. So how could this reality then be affecting whether or not somebody with combat experience develops post-traumatic stress? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, one way to think about post-traumatic stress is that there's an experience that overwhelms the capacity of that individual to cope. So in many ways, you could say, well, that's true of any of us. You know, something could be so overwhelming. And at the same time, that overwhelming experience for some people gets, you know, what you can say processed or metabolized. They work on what happened and they integrate it into their life. Whereas someone else, the event can stay with them, not integrated, meaning it stays as intrusive bodily sensations, mm -hmm. overwhelming emotions trouble with sleeping, you can get a feeling of depression and despair, sometimes hopelessness and suicidal thinking. You can find your mind can even begin to fragment in what's called dissociation. Mm -hmm. All of these would be considered a part of the overwhelming event happened, it was traumatizing, and it's staying with you as a way that it's making you dysfunctional. So any event can be hard for anyone, but for some people, um, it actually leads to this dysfunctional way in which we need support. Now, when you think about all of that, you say, well, what could this person do? So if 
you know, you're a child and this is happening to you, studies show it's going to block your ability um, to regulate things like your emotions, your attention, things like that. Trauma has a direct effect on the brain. And you're talking about veterans um, and active people in the military, usually being in what we call adolescence between 18 and 22, you're still in a very active period of brain remodeling. Mm -hmm. And the goal, if you will, of adolescent brain remodeling is to make a more integrated brain. And yet the very ways that our development can move towards resilience and flexibility, ideal regulation is you get an integrated brain. But while that's the goal of adolescence, trauma impairs integration in the brain. Now, you can see where, oh, wow, does that mean it's impairing my ability to regulate my emotions? That's right. To regulate my attention? That's right. To regulate my thinking? That's right. To regulate my memories? That's right. So all those ways, all those regulatory things come from integration in the brain. So we want to look at integration and say, if we knew of a process that helped you integrate your brain in general in adolescence, but in particular, if you've experienced trauma, that would be an ideal way of training your mind. Well, the answer is we do know now mm -hmm. that what I call three pillar practice, that is you know, some people just call it mindfulness practice, but other people would, wouldn't use that term for um, the whole thing I'm going to talk to you about. When you strengthen attention, the first pillar, so that you learn to sustain attention on your chosen thing you're focusing on, like a feeling in the body or a thought or, you know, the breath. Um, and when your mind gets distracted to notice, oh, I'm distracted, not beat yourself up for the distraction. You just are a person with a mind. Then after you've noticed the distraction, let the distraction go and then return your focus to your chosen target, like the breath. Now, when you do that, that's what you, we simply call strengthening attention. That's the first pillar. Then, you know, in our, in our wheel of awareness metaphor, we see that as a spoke of attention and you're strengthening the spoke. Then you have a second pillar, which is to open awareness. So if you've been traumatized, for example, and you're having intrusive memories, people who, haven't, who have not developed yet open awareness, what happens is the intrusive memory comes. It's terrifying. They're very aware of the memory but it's not an open awareness. It's a very closed awareness. The memory takes over all of awareness. And as far as our experience in that post-traumatic memory intrusion state, you are the memory. It's as if the trauma is happening again. So the second pillar, open awareness, allows us to be in the hub and have this experience, which once people get it, they go, oh my gosh, you know, this is so empowering because now I realize I'm in the sanctuary of the hub of knowing of awareness, the hub of awareness. And in that open awareness, I can be aware of the memory, but realize it's not the totality of my identity. It's okay. just a point on the rim. That's the change that makes a huge, huge, empowering difference. And so we call that simply, you know, open awareness. It means 
I can sit in awareness and actually be aware of my awareness and aware of things that are coming in, like a memory or an emotion or a bodily sensation. And now I go, oh, there it is. Hello. I welcome you in. And you're not the whole story. You may be part of a story I want to write about in my journal. You know, I want to become, you know, aware of where this memory is coming from, the meaning of it in my life. I want to weave it into the larger narrative of how this traumatic event impacted me and how I adapted to it. So I don't have to hide from it. When I have open awareness, I have the strength to say, bring it on, you know? PTSD Unplugged is available in ebook at Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, Moby for Kindle, and at Smashwords.com, where Lynn Moon has left us this review. He says, not being a veteran that directly experienced military-related PTSD, I still felt the words spoke directly to me and my personal experience with PTSD makes one appreciate even more the sacrifices our military members make for us each day. You have to experience or completely understand PTSD to be able to write and convey this message. This book has helpful words and ideas in trying to make sense of and deal with your PTSD issues. Thanks, Lynn, for that great review. I, I don't run from reality. I can realize there's a larger reality than just the trauma. So that's the second pillar. The third pillar, when we talk about three-pillar mind training, all of them are in the wheel, is you develop kindness or what you could call kind intention, a kind of gentleness and compassion that you begin with internally, but then is extended to other people too. So kind intention you develop as part of the wheel practice and the the overall way when if you get distracted you're kind to yourself but also when you're kind to uh, other people and realize how deeply interconnected we all are so those are the three pillars and the amazing thing is the research very rigorous research on not the wheel practice because that does all three pillars in one practice but usually there's separate practices when people do separate you know focused attention open awareness kind intention training, and you study what happens to their brain, mm -hmm. it becomes more integrated. Yep. So that's the secret of the sauce, you know, or the secret sauce. I never know which way to say it. The secret sauce is you want to integrate your brain in general. And in particular, if you've been traumatized, you really do. So doing three pillar practice, and you happen to get that in the wheel in one practice, but however you do it, doing this three pillar practice has been shown uh, to really not only make your brain more integrated, and I could talk about the parts of the brain that do that, but they're all cool ways you can understand brain structure and brain function being changed by what you do with your mind. But also there are five physiological improvements in health, like reducing cortisol, the stress hormone, mm -hmm. like strengthening the way your immune system works, yep. like improving heart function. Right like lowering inflammation, which trauma can cause, mm -hmm. and even optimizing an enzyme, an enzyme called telomerase that repairs the ends of your chromosomes and it maintains them. And in fact, trauma whittles those down and now you can rebuild them. Overall, all those changes allow you to slow the aging process. So I'm not making this up. This is in some of the most rigorous peer-reviewed journals. And I say that because people might hear these five 
physiological changes of health and integrating your brain and go, you know, what has Dr. Deborah done? She's brought a guy, he's, he's making things up. These are established scientific ways you can use your mind to integrate your brain and improve the health of your body. It's good for all of us. And those of us who've been traumatized, it's really important. The information that you share with us, I'm sure that, well, one thing I want to touch on real quickly is that it's very common within our community for somebody to say, all right, so who's got the peer-reviewed journal article about that? And, and that could be anybody, anybody who's, whether in fire service or somebody who is a spouse of somebody. I think that's one of the things that I really do appreciate about our community is somebody will ask the question and then they'll sit and read those kind of publications, which is great. Um, and I know that that's not a common thing, but we've done that since the inception of PTSD and beyond in our, in our community online. One of the things I'd like you to talk about, if you can touch on, we know how, you know, these practices, uh, when we start utilizing them and then they become part of our daily life, which is developing new habits, right? And new skills. There's two things that stand out about the connection with emotions. So we know how it helps us with our, with our thought processes, as well as the impact of our body. When I think about our community, two things within the book really stand out when thinking about the emotional state. So one is about consciousness with focal and non-focal attention. And then in chapter 17 is about forgiveness. If I could give a gift to our community, it would be about the increased awareness and under deeper understanding about forgiveness as well as that focal, non-focal, because people will often say, you know, I was doing something and then I had that memory. And the next thing I know, like a whole hour went by, or for some people it's days will go by before they can actually work through and then redirect. So can you talk with us a little bit more about the focal, non-focal, and then also forgiveness? Yeah, absolutely. These are such great questions. Um, yeah, you know, attention is the way the mind focuses energy flow. And, you know, when we have a thought, that energy flow is called information. But sometimes it's more direct, like you can focus right now on the sensation of your right foot, you know, and that's just more like pure sensory experience. So, you know, energy flow is how we focus it. Now, a lot of how we're focusing energy is not in awareness and that's called non-focal for someone who's been traumatized you know you can try to use your awareness you know think about a school assignment or what's happening in a conversation with a friend or something like that but your non-focal attention can be constantly paying attention to issues related to the trauma and that's what unresolved trauma does it kind of pulls energy non-focally that is not in awareness but it's it's directing attention towards you know part of our body that was injured or a betrayal we had in a relationship or you know i remember uh, recently sadly you know somebody rode their bike right in front of a car and she was hit and i saw the person fly up i still even though i was in the car behind that one you know i still have this 
terrible image of a person's flying over the car in front of me. And I have to take a deep breath, go to my hub and let that happen. But I, I realize that it takes a lot of energy non-focally, right? So focal attention is when you're streaming stuff, if you will, from the rim into your hub. You're allowing energy and information flow to enter awareness. And the reason that's so important is then you get choice and the possibility for change. Mm -hmm. So I might be thinking about the person who got hit by a car and, and be freaking out about bike riding or freaking out about driving a car or all these things. And I wouldn't be aware of that. If I'm not aware of it, I can't change it. Yep. So the reason awareness and the reason I'm so excited about this book, Becoming Aware, the reason becoming aware is so important is then you're becoming an agent of change rather than being kind of passively taken over by your trauma. You're now an active agent of change because awareness is the way you do that. And that's focal attention. That's paying attention and streaming that into awareness. And I think, you know, to get to the forgiveness question, it's exactly like this. You know, um, a dear friend of mine, Jack Cornfield, he has a wonderful way of, and it's kind of funny, but it's so true, of defining forgiveness as giving up all hope for a different past, right? So when we're holding resentment, it has a quality of, I want the past to be different. I want the past to be different. I want the past to be different. I don't forgive. I don't forgive. I don't forgive. You know, and in a way, you know, um, when we don't forgive, we are imprisoning ourselves. Right. So forgiveness does not mean you say, I'm really glad some horrible thing was done to me. It doesn't say the person who did wrong to me was right in doing that. So therefore I'm forgiving them. Not at all. It's none of those things. It's really saying, I'm going to free myself from the prison of resentment. So I see that what was done was wrong. What was done was horrible. You know, and I will not be a prisoner of the past. That's what forgiveness really is all about. So you can you can be a very active agent of hope and an agent of justice um, and be forgiving. So forgiving doesn't mean you're a passive person saying, oh, I allow people to hurt other people. No, but you forgive is not the same as forgetting. And you can be motivated to make this a more just world in your forgiveness. So this is something that, you know, when we identify it, then you can feel the compassion, you can feel the inner sense of kindness, and then the external sense of kindness with forgiveness that is absolutely not about saying bad things are good to happen to people. It's saying I can be free of the way those bad things have imprisoned me. When I look at the title of the book, Becoming Aware, that's what I think about. I mean, there are many things that I do think about, but one of the things that I do think about is that level of freedom, that becoming a change agent, you become a change agent for yourself. And then through peer support, as well as mentoring and mentorship, you become a role model for others. So whether it's, you know, little kids or somebody in your family or in your community, 
you become that part of a, a larger global change agent. And I did write that quote down, by the way, from Dr. Cornfield, forgiveness is, is giving up hope for a better past. And that in itself is a deeper level of awareness. And then when the deeper level of awareness becomes forefront, you know, forward in the mind of the consciousness, then a person has a level of embodiment of freedom, as well as developing um, self-worth, self-confidence and, and strength. When I look at, again, becoming aware, that's where the go beyond part with PTSD and beyond, there's a growth about it. So what I'm hearing you say is that we have this initial sense of awareness, and then we develop that awareness, and the awareness continues to develop and grow where we become change agents. Our lives get better. Our bodies get better. Ourselves get better. Our kindness to ourselves, as well as our relationships and relation to the external world, we become a change agent where the hope can grow and continue, whether it's... Um, affecting, say, someone at work. I mean, in the workplace right now, there are folks that are struggling terribly with the sense of what do we do now? But what's so freeing about becoming aware is it really embodies being a change agent and continuing to grow and develop that beyond and the beyond and the beyond, because that growth doesn't stop. It, exactly. It, it continues. Beautiful. So beautifully said. You know, the growth that is the beyond uh, is something that when you talk to people who really experience, well, becoming aware and, and actually try out the wheel, they will talk about, you know, words you hear like transformation, liberation, you know, this expansion of a possibility that people only dreamed about. And, and you say, well, isn't that just like exaggerated language? You know, what some people call hyperbole, you know, you know, saying things that aren't real, but they sound so, you know, huge. Well, you know, the, I, I did the wheel actually in the days we could do this in person with over 50,000 people doing the wheel, literally in different workshops and stuff. And the experience that people describe is getting in touch with an inner sense of love, an inner sense of spaciousness, an inner sense of connection, yeah. where all of those things before, and especially trauma can, you know, make it so you, you feel like you've lost touch with a, this vital force of life called love and hope. Yep. People don't feel spaciousness. They feel very constricted and hopeless, right. you know, and people don't have this kind of, um, feeling of connectedness yep. that is the really the the lifeblood of what of what we're here to be connected to each other and connected to nature so yep. when you think about those three things and you know i'm an acronym person and this spells an acronym coal you you develop connectedness you realize wow i'm a i belong to a world of people and the planet open awareness the oa of coal is this spaciousness we're talking about and the L is love. And, you know, I'm a scientist and a, and a physician, you know, and, and a therapist. And I never thought when I started that journey that love would become central to scientifically understanding what consciousness is about. And in many ways, becoming aware is 
letting you access connectedness, the open awareness, and love as a way to live. And this is the beyond of PTSD, as you say, wow, the PTSD was horrible. And I can go and develop post-traumatic growth and go beyond the constriction and disconnection and despair and develop this cold state of connected, open awareness and love. And that's, you know, that has happened so many times that it's not just like, oh, you know, this is just a random thing. I think it's from doing the work of this three pillar practice that allows you in real terms to really access this hub that becomes a sanctuary in your life. We're getting ready to wrap up here, Dr. Siegel. If there are three other things that maybe you'd like to share uh, some tips, last minute thoughts with our listeners. And thank you, by the way, for the person who's still here with us right now. Um, What are some of those things that you'd like to share? Yeah, you know, um, the three things are to say is that you can use your mind, which includes your focus of attention and awareness and your intention of kindness. You can use your mind to actually change the structure and function of your brain. And if trauma has challenged those integrative fibers, you actually now have a way to use your mind to actually change your brain. So that's number one. Number two is when we're confronted with overwhelming events called trauma in life, of course, they make us feel terrible. But what we can do is transform that terrible feeling into an actual opportunity for growth. So we don't, in, we don't ask trauma to happen to us, but life can have that happen. And then how do you use that to develop post-traumatic growth? And these are some of the things we've been talking about how to do it. That's the second point. The third point I would say is that you are not in this alone. You know, we are a human family yep. and we can support each other as we develop this connectedness, this open, spacious awareness, and this love that we can share. And the planet is waiting for us to really develop that awareness in life. That is so true, Dr. Siegel. Thank you so much for being on today, for sharing your gifts. It's been a true pleasure, really a highlight of my career. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be here with you. And thank everyone for being a part of this conversation. Guys, this is Dr. Dead with PTSD and beyond. Remember that all of Dr. Siegel's information is in the summary bio. Go ahead and purchase his book again. It's launching on October 5th, Becoming Aware. And um, from page 153 of the book, we'll close out with this. It's just absolutely gorgeous. This has resonated with me and I wrote it down. Take your time, feel your life and breathe into the wheel. This episode of PTSD and Beyond is proudly sponsored by PTSD Unplugged, How to Leave the War Behind Us, a practical guidebook for combat survivors and their families that will help us all leave the war behind, written by a 35-plus-year expert in psychological trauma and injury recovery, Dr. Pamela Hall. Find out more about how you can get this guidebook at barnesandnoble.com forward slash PTSD unplugged.